Good morning. So when Phil called me yesterday afternoon, um, he kind of he he asked if I would open, and then he told me what his subject was, and then he left it pretty open ended. I asked him what he wanted me to read. He said whatever you want, and so I don't know how to follow up with that. The revealing of Christ before the revolution, revelation, and um, probably a couple things. And it probably makes it more obvious now when he comes up on the second song and he knows I doesn't talk. I don't talk very long, so he must have a lot to say. So, <laughs> but when I um, the first scripture that came to my mind actually was um, John chapter one, John who actually was the author of Revelations, but um. There was a revealing in that chapter that kind of came to my mind, so I thought we'd read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. Here John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. So there was a couple times that um, I was thinking about that Christ was revealed before the revelation. This was the first one that came to mind, is that Christ was revealed when he came as, as the son of God, as a baby. But um, it says in this, in this chapter that he spoke by his word existence. And so you go back to Genesis where God says all these, um, and he said, and it was so. And I believe that was Christ who here John um, describes as the word. And so... And the word was what um, has brought us grace. The word has brought us truth, and it's only through Christ. And um, one other scripture I want to read that 
was also penned by John, which was in, what's actually in Revelations. And I wrote it down. Verse, or chapter 19, 11 through 16. Chapter 19, verse 11 goes, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness, in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon a white horse, clothed in linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of, of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, the King of the kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know, it's just, I was just thinking through, there's like, there's three different um, pieces of scripture that basically describe the word. The word as we were created, the word as we were, were saved through Jesus, and then he's coming again. He's called the Word of God. And so I was just, I was just thinking of those three instances of the Word, and I know that um, His Word is going to be presented to us today through Phil. And, um, and I really liked what um, Deaton had to say this morning as well. So let's just pay attention. Let's stay focused on that Word and um, see how God speaks to us today. So let's just go ahead and bow in prayer. Lord God, I just want to come to you again this morning in the name of Jesus. We want to um, thank you that we could be here today to worship. We just invite you to be here with us and that your spirit would um, work in each of our hearts and pray a special blessing on Phil and just pray that your word would speak through him, that um, we would have truth presented and probably each one of us have something that we need to receive today and lord just pray that you would help us to soften our hearts and to be open to what it is you have to say to us today and jesus we just thank you for being the one that created us being the one that saved us and we just look forward to you coming again and taking us back to be with you to live in heaven eternally we just love you we praise you and we pray that you would just bless this day in jesus name amen
About a month ago, Mary Ellen and I were in California. There were some mornings that the smoke from the 28 fires that were burning was such that it was like a fog in the Modesto area. Smelled bad, blocked the view, the beautiful view of the mountains that I like to look at. And at that time somewhere, I don't know if that was the exact time, but there's an area in Milpitas, California, and those of you who are not familiar, Milpitas is halfway between San Jose and San Francisco. And you think about that being a heavily populated area, but actually there's mountain ranges in there and some of them are very, very rugged. And in the middle of that area, there are there is a 12,000 acre ranch that has about 500 cows. And the fire came through that area. And what happened was the fire department got a hold of the managers of the farm and they said, you have a narrow window. If you'll use your four wheelers and anything else you have to get your cattle, you might be able to save them. And so they rushed them to a reservoir. And when the fire came through, the people and the cattle were standing in the water and saved them. There were some that did not make it, but they saved a lot of them. When they went back out where the land had been charred and burnt and the fire had passed through, they found this calf. She is laying in a damp area because of the water that broke with the cow that calved her. And that's the reason it did not burn right where she was. Her eyebrows were singed, and probably her first breath of air was smoke. But they found this calf, and they named it, we would spell it Charlene, but it means Charlene because of the charring around this calf. What's interesting about that calf is that it wasn't saved because it was smarter than all the other calves. It knew nothing. It wasn't saved because the parents were so wonderful. In fact, they couldn't even find a mother cow to take this calf. One of them sniffed it and left it be, and they surmised that it was probably a twin, a small calf, 40, 50 pounds. And furthermore, this calf didn't have the smarts, didn't have the looks, it was small, it was weak, and yet it survived. Stay with us. I know this is supposed to be a sermon. Stay with me. Why do you think that calf survived? You ever think about it? I don't know. There's going to be some people that say, well, it was consequences. It was just circumstances that happened and that calf made it. The thing that's interesting about that calf is when they finally picked it up and took it in, they, they gave it um, colostrum, first mother's milk, and then they started to feed it, and they said within a very few days it was eating hay. It got on to solid food. 
So why did this calf survive? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what I think. I think this calf survived because the God that made this calf knows the number of hairs on your head. It knows when a sparrow falls. It knows the thousand cattle on a thousand hills. And I think for whatever reason, God in his wisdom chose to save that calf. Don't ask me to explain it. I don't know. Why didn't I put it up here? Because somehow that calf is me. I'm not smarter. I didn't know what I was doing when I was born. I had wonderful parents, but they can't save me. I don't know why God chose me. And if you have heard the call of the master, I don't know why he has chosen you. But we're probably just pretty ordinary people, maybe even a little bit weak. Not even hardly average. And I look at that calf. I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. This morning... I want to talk about Revelation. What I found in my studies were that there are approximately 40 times in the New Testament before we get to the book of Revelation where the word reveal, revealer, or revelation is used. And it's only used one time in the book of Revelation. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have at least 40 evidences before we ever get to the book of Revelation that is going to reveal the Son of God to us. The word in the Greek is apocalypto or apocalypsis. And it means this. It means an uncovering. It means to unveil or a disclosure. It means that we are given the opportunity to understand something that we have no means to understand other than the Lord. I'm not going to talk about it at times in the Old Testament, but I just want to give you this. It's kind of interesting because in the New Testament, when it's Apocalypto is used, it is a positive. God is going to bless us. He wants to tell us something. He wants to teach us something. He wants to guide us somewhere that is a blessing for our soul. But in the Old Testament, and I don't even know how to pronounce the word, so I'm not going to try, it means to denude. It is when captives are taken into exile and they are stripped, completely uncovered. It is a shame. It is an embarrassment. And it's kind of interesting. I never really got into the study of that. Maybe some of you can do that. But we're just going to look at the New Testament this morning. So, I want to ask you before we start this morning, do you believe in Revelation? Do you believe in the revealing of Christ? 
I hope you can say in the affirmative you do, but that's what we're going to look at. Let's begin this morning in Matthew 16, and we're going to go through, like I say, there's 40 or 40, maybe a few over that, and we're going to look at just a few of them. And we want to look at the revelation of Jesus Christ to us. Begin in Matthew 16, and we will read the 16th verse. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's, well, the 15th verse says, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice what Jesus says. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Did you see the revelation that is here? Do you know what happens when a regenerated heart has been born again and Jesus has come to live? They will freely share the name of the Lord, the name of the Savior, the name of Jesus. They will call him Messiah. They will call him the King. One of the things that happens when it is revealed, and you notice it did not come from flesh and blood. I want to tell you something. You may have the greatest parents in the world, and I hope you do. I hope your Sunday school teachers are absolutely, unbelievably good. And I hope the preacher's better than one this morning. But I've got to tell you something. What we're talking about this morning does not come by flesh and blood. And if you expect to hear a message from Phil this morning, I hope it falls flat on its face. The Spirit of God, and in this case, it is God the Father that reveals the Son. So often we talk about the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and we should, that's good. But I want you to recognize here that the source of it all is God the Father. This is what Jesus said, and he's the one that reveals. So if you want to pray something this morning, if you're a father, a friend, a brother, a sister, whoever you are, and you want to pray something this morning, pray that the Father would reveal the Son to your loved one. That's way better than even a good parent. Lord God, God the Father, and it doesn't come by flesh and blood. Let's go to Luke, the second chapter, and I, I do... This is the only uh, passage we're going to look at. In fact, I think it's the only one in the New Testament where the word is not actually apocalypto. Elipto. Um, it is another Greek word. And uh, let's just read verses 26 and 27 of Luke 2. And it was revealed, there's the word again, unto him by the Holy Ghost. Well, let's back up and read 25th verse. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. This is interesting. The word here, again, is not apocalypto, but the word means it is an intimate oracle of great wealth. 
And so what he does, the Holy Spirit not only reveals to mankind Jesus, he reveals to mankind what they should do. And so the great wealth that he had was to tell this Simeon to go into the temple at this time. I want to stop and think about what I just said. We have all kinds of voices today. We have political voices. We have science voices. We have you name it. It's coming out all over. I want to ask you something. I want to know where the source of the wisdom is. It must come from God. If we do not know the Lord, I'm going to suggest to you, we don't know. And that doesn't mean there aren't gifts that people learn things, obviously. But I'm talking about things of great value and of great wealth. How many of you, maybe this is mainly referred to the men, I'm not sure. But how many of you have made a decision and you used what you thought was common sense and you thought it through and this is what you wanted to do is the right thing and you went ahead and did it and you never, ever asked the Holy Spirit, you never asked the Lord, you never pleaded with the Father. You just did what you thought was right. I wonder how many marriages have happened that way. I'm going to tell you something. There is only one source of wisdom, and we're going to look at that in a little bit again. But I'm pleading with you this morning that what we see here is this Simeon was in tune with the Holy Spirit. And I don't think he bought a car or started a business or did anything else without talking to the Lord first. There's really a very basic thing. Do we believe in Revelation? If we do, we'll ask the Lord to reveal to us, won't we? Won't we? Let's go to the 35th verse of this chapter, Luke 2. <clears throat> and um, he's talking to Simeon here. Well, let's start with the 34th. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many, again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There's that word again, revealed. You want to know someone's heart? I don't care if it's someone you're courting, someone you're doing business with, whoever it is. You want to ask someone's heart? Ask them what they think about Jesus. And by the way, since I mentioned courtship, if you're in courtship and you don't ask each other what you think about Jesus, you probably shouldn't get married. Have you ever noticed that when you ask, it says here, he told Simeon, he says, your own heart's going to get pierced. You know what happens when we ask people about Jesus? If they are, know him, they become a brother or sister in our heart, and it's a wonderful thing. If they do not, you might get hurt. okay. Jesus is still that important. Maybe that hurt on me will cause them to think about the Lord of glory. And so if we really want to see a revelation 
especially of someone's heart, ask them about Jesus. Let's go to the 17th chapter of this book of Luke. And I want to read Oh, it's hard to know where to start, but I'll just start 28th verse. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed." You know that God is not done revealing? He isn't done. Not even close. And the sad thing is that every homo sapiens on this earth, every human being, God will reveal himself to them. And that's exactly what it's saying here. There's going to come a day when they have rejected the Son of God that it will be revealed to them that he is God. That ought to motivate us. Do we believe in Revelation this morning? If we believe in Revelation, there's a time coming when every man, every woman, will believe in the Son of God even to their eternal destruction. It's coming. God is not done revealing. Man. Let's go to Romans 8. Oh, and I know I've touched on this a number of times recently. 17th verse will start. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. On our way out to California, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? And those of you who haven't raised your hands, I'd, I'd encourage you. You can look at all the pictures and everything else. And, they look, and you, when you get there, you just say, oh. <laughs> I, there is no words to describe it. That, that pit of mild beast. And one of the things we did, the sun went down the evening we got there and it shined on one side of the canyon and the layers and the stratters of rock and all the color, it's just unbelievable. And then in the morning when the sun came up on the other end, it shined the other way and he was able to see the other side. I don't know how to describe it. We went to Death Valley. <laughs> how in the world those people ever got through that place on Horses and wagons with enough water is completely beyond me. Drove through the Bonneville Salt Flats. I mean, all kinds of places in the United States. You know what this scripture just said? All of nature is waiting for the curse that came through Adam that's on them and on all of us. And it knows that when you and I are glorified, when we are revealed as the sons of God, and we are glorified, they're going to be set free from the curse also. 
I think even that canyon would look at the smallest of child, the oldest of saint, whatever it was, and they would say, I want to see the day when God glorifies his life. Do we believe in Revelation this morning? He is going to reveal the nature, his glory, to you and me. I can't explain that. I don't know what that means. That's beyond who I am. I believe it. Boy, you're something. You're made in the image of God. Every soul here is amazing. That the whole world would be watching. That blade of grass out there is that one. I'd like to see her when she is glorified. Wow. Let's go to the 16th chapter of Romans. Clear at the back of the book, 25th verse. Now to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation, here's that revealing, of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. I don't understand it. I don't. I am fully aware of it every time I'm here. You can get on your knees and the Lord can reveal to you. You can open the word of God and the Lord will reveal to you. You can look at nature and see the revelation of the creator God because the God, spirit of God is in you. I don't understand why preaching has some special revelation. But it does. That's what it says. I know we live in a time, we live in an age when people really, a lot of people say, well, I just worship at home. I, I had a good friend that said, well, uh, I can hear a good sermon on the radio. I don't go anywhere on Sunday mornings. And I, okay, I'm glad you listened to that. But there's somehow, when two or three are gathered together in the name of the Lord and the word of God is sung, prayed, and preached, there is a special power that's there. I don't understand it. What we're doing this morning is we're asking for God, by his spirit, through the Father, through the Son, to reveal himself to us. That's what we're doing. Wish the whole world would do that. There's going to come a day when they will. Wish they'd do it now. Let's go to uh, Galatians 1. We're bypassing many, many scriptures that <clears throat> talk about apocalypto or apocalypsis. Just highlighting a, a handful of them for our learning this morning. Galatians 1, verse 11. I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Well, I think that ought to be every, every minister of the gospel's prayer, every one of them. Lord, don't let it be me. I will mess it up. 
For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. I profited in the Jews' religion above my many equals, in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. To reveal his son in me. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing when God calls the Charlenes, me, you. But do you know what? God's call never stops there. You know what I just read? He said that he wants to reveal himself through you, through me, through every believer. You have a work to do when you've come to Jesus. It's purpose. It's powerful. It's salvation. Talk about a wonderful thing. Don't ever say, oh, what am I supposed to do in the church? Come on. Have we ever asked the Spirit? Lord, let me testify today. The park man behind the counter. Uh, whoever. Maybe my own teacher. God wants to reveal Jesus in you. Help me, Lord. Let's go to Ephesians 1. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know what God wants to reveal in you, in me, in every believer? He wants to reveal his wisdom. The world doesn't know anything about it. Remember, it doesn't come by flesh and blood. It comes by the Spirit of God. Do we know the Spirit of God? Do we believe in the revelation of God? That he will speak to me? Let's read on. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Boy, I don't know about you. I need that one. I've messed up so many things in my life. And not one time was it because of the, I asked the Lord and listened to him. It was because I didn't. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This old world's crazy for power. You know how it comes? It comes from the revelation of the wisdom of God and the power of God in our lives. 
Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Do you understand what I'm really saying? There's an awful lot of people that are scared that our government system is going to change in the United States. I understand that. I happen to be one of them. But I want to tell you something. The revelation of the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives is not bound by the forms of government of men. And it doesn't make any difference if we are live in abject poverty, if everything is taken away, if our lives are shattered and in pieces, and our health is gone and there's nothing left. I want to tell you something. The revelation of the wisdom and the power of God in one individual's life is greater. I have one more verse I want to look at this morning. Please turn with me to the book of Acts. If you've been sleeping this morning, I don't think you have, but if you have, please turn with me to Acts 26. And in this passage, Paul is standing before the powerful men of his day. And I want to start reading in the 14th verse, and he is giving an account before King Agrippa in this case. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Do you know that when the Spirit of God calls you, it is always with a purpose? There may be someone here this morning. You know very well what I'm talking about. You need to make a public and a clear confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. You need to bow the knee. You ought to have a baptism. Maybe a whole bunch of them. Because there's going to be purpose in your life. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. And I will give you this testimony. When I bowed the knee and was baptized on Christmas Day, 1966, I believe, I had no idea where the Lord was going to take me. I had no idea that he's Lord and he will take you. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice the 19th verse. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I have no idea. But there could easily be someone here this morning that's wrestling with Jesus. The Spirit of God is speaking to you. And so far, you have said, not today. There's something more important than you, Jesus. 
Somewhere along the line, there's someone who's in a battle. And if their name was, if the book was read on them today, it would say they were disobedient to the heavenly calling. Yeah. I pray that isn't the case. Not even with one. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. When we come to Jesus, we lay our lives before him. We say, Lord, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I think we can safely say what the Apostle Paul did. We were not disobedient to the heavenly calling. Our prayer this morning, I have no idea where we're headed. I don't know where this country's headed. I don't know where our economic system's headed. I don't know where the church is headed. I don't know where my health is headed. I do not know. But I want to tell you something this morning. I believe in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he is going to see us through. And it's going to be an eternal blessing. And I'll tell you what. You're way more important than a Charlene. That's just a calf. So if God is calling... Answer that call. Don't tell him to wait. Why? What lies are being fed into our lives that we would reject the Son of God? Help us all, dear Lord. What have we to sing?